You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Hello, Quinnity at home. It's great to be with you again. Uh, in the midst of all of this season of change, we know that God is not changing, that he stays faithful and consistent no matter what. And so as you worship there in your home today or wherever you're at, maybe you're with your family, I just want to encourage you and remind you that God is at work in our midst, that he is speaking to us, that he's drawing us in, that he's doing something even right now, and we don't want to miss it. I want to talk to you today about that idea, that idea of of working in our lives in a way that makes us uh, able to receive what God has for us. You may have had the experience of planting a garden. These days, it seems that everybody has a a COVID garden because we've got a little extra time at home. Uh, And if you've ever had that experience, you know that a garden, in order for it to produce fruit or vegetables, it requires work. It requires attention, constant work and attention. It's actually more work than some of us are willing to do. Um, My my experience with the garden is I like to plant it. I I work with it a couple of days and then I get bored with it. And before you know it, what happens if you stop regularly working with your garden? Well, the, the plants dry up, the weeds come in, the birds eat it or the caterpillars eat it. And before you know it, all of your work has just produced nothing. If, if our gardens are going to produce good fruit, then it requires for us to give them constant attention, constant effort, and to work with them daily. Your life is like a garden, and there is a force that's working against you, just as the force that really is on the earth as the result of the curse when sin came into the world because of Adam and Eve's decisions. It brought a curse on the very earth itself so that weeds... Uh, and uh, the challenge of the garden was something that we're experiencing day in and day out. And your life has to be tended. Your life has to work in that direction. And, and, and I want to kind of begin with a question that kind of gives you a hint at where we're going with this. Uh, and, and it's simply this. What rhythms do you have in your life that bring order into this order? The garden requires rhythms. It requires daily watering, daily attention, daily weeding, making sure that the pests don't get in, making sure that your crop is not stolen. What rhythms do you have in your life that bring order into disorder? I I think that the order that is inherent in a garden, if we pay attention attention to it, is a beautiful thing. I want to read to you a couple of verses out of Genesis as I was thinking about this idea. And I, I believe that in that very first chapter of Genesis, as God creates the heavens and the earth, as he creates the very garden of Eden that Adam and Eve lived in, that he gives us an indication of the kind of power, the kind of work that you and I are invited into in our own experience of the garden of our life. And so let me just read to you some verses there out of Genesis chapter one. It starts like this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, we're just skipping ahead here, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. 
God called the dry ground land and he gathered the water, the gathered waters he called seas and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. If you want to follow along in both the scriptures and the notes today, you can find those on our YouVersion app under the events section. If you're watching this live, then they're going to be found right there for you. As I was considering this message, I uh, thought about what I was going to call it. How are you going to title a message? A pastor is always very concerned with uh, the title of his message that would be adequately catchy, that it would really grab people's attention and that they could not refuse to listen because the title would be so powerful. So this is what I came up with, at least the potential. Some of the runners up for what I would call this message are, are the following. Uh, I thought about calling it rhythms for the rest of the year. I like the R's, the rhythms for the rest of the year. I, call, I, I thought about routines that result in righteous rewards. There was the four R's on that one, and pretty good uh, pastor speak. Wholesome habits for health. Uh, I thought about systems to stay seriously spirit-filled. I like the S's there, that's pretty good. Uh, and I thought about cool and clever COVID course corrections. Uh, none of those really is where I ended up calling the message. We're just going to call it simply the order in the chaos. But I think you, you catch my drift here. What we're talking about is this sense that God works in the garden. He works in creation. He works in our lives. And he's bringing into our lives an order. He actually wants to do something inside of us. And when we look at Genesis chapter one, what we see is a God that's at work. And he models for us, I think, five things that we can draw out of uh, out of this chapter, he models for us five things that we too can reflect in our own lives because we are actually image bearers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords of God himself. He's put his image upon us and we are to follow and emulate his example. So I'm just going to give you these five uh, and I think that they will speak to you and each one uh, will build and, and, and some might be more applicable to where you're at in your life than others, but I think everyone, you will see how we are invited into this ordering that God does. Number one is, is simply this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. God brings order. God brings order. Genesis 1, I just read it. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It was formless and empty, well, go back. It was formless and empty, it says. Uh, and so there was something as God in that moment of creation that he was looking at the earth. Actually, the earth in a sense that we know it today was not present. And he had some material that he was wor working with and he was, he was deciding what to do. And there's a period of waiting that says that he was hovering over the surface of the waters. The very spirit of God then brings form, brings shape. To the earth. And that's the very activity of God. And God is the kind of God that brings order to disorder. Uh, let me show you in, in the New Testament how Jesus reflects the same kind of activity of bringing order to disorder. Luke chapter 4, verses 18, Jesus picks up the scroll of Isaiah uh, and he reads this and he declares it prophetically because this is his ministry. This is the ministry of Jesus 
This is the very activity of Father God in the earth. The Spirit of the Lord, he says, is on me because he has anointed me. So there's an anointing, there's a gifting, there's an enablement to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. So the poor need good news, right? Because if you're poor, you are in need. There's something that's broken. There, there's a, maybe a financial need. There's a need for food. There's a need for work. There's so many needs when we're poor. We can be poor in spirit. We can be poor financially. We can be poor in many different ways. But all of these indicate a lack of something, some disorder, some brokenness that's in our lives. And what is Jesus's ministry? It's to proclaim there's good news for those of us that are poor, those of us that are far away, those of us that, that don't have what we need. He goes on to say this, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Something's wrong when you're in prison. You have been imprisoned, restricted, and your life is no longer your own. You're told what to do, where to go, where to sleep, when you can do whatever. Prisoners are in a state of restriction. And what has Jesus come to do? What does Father God want to see happen? Every prisoner set free and recovery of sight for the blind. The blind need sight. There's something non-functional about their bodies. They no longer, as good as the other resources are that God has given us in terms of our bodies, if you don't have sight, something is missing. And what does Jesus do? He restores that which has been lost to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This speaks to the order that Jesus wants to bring into this earth. He wants to bring into every life. This is the very ministry. This is the very way that God operates in our life. He takes that which is broken. He takes that which is ugly. He takes that which is dead. And he does a work that only he can do. God takes shapeless things, I put it this way, and molds them into something. In the Old Testament, there's a story of the potter with the clay. And, and the prophet watches the potter mold the clay into that pot. And God is the kind of person. He's the kind of gracious father that takes those things that are out of shape, takes those things that are just a lump of something, and he molds them into something useful, something. This is the kind of work that God does in the earth. He did it at the very beginning in Genesis chapter one. He did it in the ministry of Jesus as Jesus walked through the earth. And he does it today in our lives as he seeks to bring order into areas of chaos. He seeks to bring wholeness into areas of brokenness. And, and right here, at the beginning of the message, I'm not very far into this, I just want to invite you to think and reflect on, on your life for a moment, on, on areas in your life perhaps that are in chaos, uh, areas where dreams that you have had once upon a time have, have died, of destructive habits that have been built up in your life that you can't seem to get out of, and it's bringing chaos and disorder into your relationships and into your life, into your finances. At, at, at relationships, perhaps, that you and I have that have been shipwrecked because of something we have done or said or something that has happened that has caused them to go off course. At, at faith, that has been lost. I'm speaking today to not only people that are convinced that God is at work in their lives who have a relationship with Christ, but perhaps you today are not so sure. You feel your faith has been shipwrecked. You feel like the things that you believed before just haven't come about and you're losing your sense of footing in your relationship with God. I'm speaking to you today. Perhaps your finances are in disarray and disorder 
Uh, maybe you are today, as you're hearing my voice, you, you don't even like the person that you have become. There's something that has gone on inside of you and you find yourself engaged in activities or the things that are coming out of you, the things that you're saying to other people, you're going, man, I, don't, I never even wanted to be this kind of person. I, I have good news for you. God is the kind of God that is in the business of taking that which is broken, that which is in disorder, those, those things about us that we don't like, and, and fixing them and correcting them. He invites us into an order, a divine order, a blessing that comes from him where he says to us all those things that are crying out, all those things that are angry, all those things that are anxious, and he speaks to us, peace, be still, and he brings shape to that which is out of shape. He brings alignment those things that are, are out of alignment. And here at the beginning of the message, I just want uh, just to pause for a second and ask you to invite the Lord. Would you be so bold just to invite him in your own words, either silently right now or just speak it out, just a prayer and say, Lord, would you please, I'm inviting you into those places that are formless and void, into those places in my life that are, that are broken and that are ugly. They're misshapen. They, they're void. They're not producing fruit. There's something about the chaos that has been introduced during this season that is causing me to reap things that are not good. Lord, would you please come in and would you please move into those places and would you bring order and life into them? Let's go to number two here. What the second thing that we see God that he does in uh, Genesis chapter one is that he establishes rhythms. He establishes rhythms. Verses three and four say this, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So the very first thing that God does is he turns he turns on the lights, right? He, he, he sees that there's darkness and, and he establishes light. And then he creates a rhythm within light and darkness, a rhythm of, you know, as we know it, 12 hours and 12 hours. So we have the sun that comes up and then we have the sun sets and we have the moon that rises and we have the moon sets. And, and we have a rhythm that happens in our life by the very nature of the sun and the moon and the rhythms that God created. We call it the circadian rhythm, even in our own bodies, that the way that we begin to sync up biologically with the sunrise and the sunset and assists us in terms of our energy during the day and our rest at night. And rhythm and routine are critical to our health. Rhythm and routine are critical to our health. Without rhythm, without order in our life, without that systematic, you know, 12 hour cycle of rest and, and activity, then something happens. Stress is created and the body begins to break down. Uh, rhythms bring order to our life. They allow us to get things done. They allow our body to rest. We know very nature itself has rhythms, right? We have we have the seasons, we have cycles of, of heat, and then we have cycles of cold. We have a rest time, and then we have a work time. And we see that in our own life, if we don't have rhythms, what we often have is chaos, anxiety, and stress. Child psychologists tell us that kids really need rhythms. They, they really need routines. And that even in this season that we're in right now, which is challenging because many of our kids are at home, they're trying to do home studies, they're trying to figure out how to make that work because they can't go to school uh, and their normal rhythms have been interrupted. And so 
without normal rhythms for children, then they actually feel insecure. Their anxiety level increases. Uh, and so uh, what, what doctors tell us is that, well, we have to actually build routines for kids. We build bedtime routines. We build play routines. We build all kinds of routines. And that actually makes them feel more secure. Isn't that how you are as well? It's certainly how I am, that rhythms in my life make me feel so much better. Uh, and when things are out of whack and out of joint, then I find that I feel almost like my life is out of control. I can't get a hold of things. My mind doesn't work quite as well as it was before because I'm out of sorts. I'm out of shape. Now, let me ask you this question. What rhythms have you lost in this season? Because I think most of us have lost certain rhythms. Uh, we, we've been thrown into a bit of chaos in our life. The normal routines that we had were yanked from us by the very process of having to go into our houses and start to sort of stop some of the things that we were doing before. And it has made life extra stressful and extra difficult. Rhythms are critical. So what rhythms do you need to recreate in this season? Now just think about this for a moment. Just here, let me just quickly give you some important rhythms for all of our life. Many of them have been interrupted. We have rhythms of worship. We, we know the rhythm of worship uh, for us, many of us involved going to church weekly. Uh, it might involve reading your, your Bible daily. It might involve a time of prayer. Rhythms were so important throughout the Jewish uh, Old Testament when uh, the Jewish people learned that they were to pray in morning, afternoon, and night. And they built in a rhythm of worship that helped them uh, understand how to walk in this relationship with God. We need regular rhythms. Our, our, our rhythms have been messed up many times in terms of worship, and maybe we don't have those habits. It's time to bring them back in. Rhythms of rest. We know that if we don't have good periods of rest, then it's very difficult for us to work effectively during the day. And so to have established bedtimes or bedtime routines or rest routines, uh, working at home has been a challenge for us. So we'll just put work up there as an, another important rhythm. Now with many of us working at home, this has messed up our rhythm. Right? Uh, it used to be that I, I had a morning routine and then I went to work and then I had a, a, at the end of the workday stopped and then I came home and there was a certain rhythm to that that allowed me to sort of compartmentalize and bring order to my mind as far as work is concerned. And now I find uh, work doesn't have those normal types of rhythms. I don't, I'm not going anywhere. I'm moving upstairs to a different room and it just messes everything up. Rhythms of play. And when we're going to enjoy ourselves, when we're going to enjoy the family uh, and building those in. rhythms of communication, how we're communicating with our family, regular routines of communication. One of the things that Carrie and I heard about my wife uh, a little while ago is we heard about a couple that had built a rhythm of communication where they, they decided they would buy two chairs and they they'd put those two chairs in their bedroom. And every day they would sit in those chairs uh, and just talk about the day and they would talk until there was no more to be said. And, uh, and so we thought, well, that's a great idea because we want to build a rhythm of communication and in our life and the kids are always messing that up and they're coming in. And so we could put these chairs in our room and we could sit there and we can communicate. So we have two chairs in our room and they are now piled full of things. <laughs> we have rarely used them for actual communication. We're still working on that rhythm, but we have built in certain things. We've built in certain uh, touch points where we can communicate, but we have noticed that during the season of COVID, our rhythm of date nights uh, is no longer viable. It doesn't work anymore. 
Uh, and it's been very challenging for us to have those periods of rest where we go and escape from the children. And we, we used that rhythm of going out on a date night to find a place of connection. And it's not there at this moment. So we've had to recreate that rhythm in a different way. Rhythms of, of love life. Well, that's kind of what I'm talking about there, of, of having that time with your spouse, of being able to be intimately connected, not just physically, but actually uh, to, to communicate and to build that time in. And so many times we have lost that rhythm because of something external that's happened in our life. A rhythm of learning, I think is just the last one I have there. How we learn, our kids are really trying to figure this out right now as they're in school remotely. And, and the ability that we have to build around their school time, a rhythm is gonna be really critical. Having them get dressed in the morning, for example, uh, and take a shower and actually put on clothes, not just PJs, so that we're actually building a structure and a rhythm around their learning time so that they can see that this is the learning time. And then at the end of the day, they can switch it off and move to something else. But if they're, if they're in their PJs all day long, then what's the difference? It's just our brain works in rhythms. God works in rhythms. And so we see that and we begin to build those into our life and it allows us to grow. It allows us to grow in a healthy way. Otherwise, we just are stressed out and out of control all the time. Now, I just want to tell you that rhythms are should not be religions. Uh, rhythms can bring order to us and they can bring help to us, but we can over rigidize everything, right? So I'm not saying that your whole life needs to be so locked down and so in control that you never can uh, be spontaneous. But my, my suspicion is, is that for most of us, that's not the challenge right now. For most of us, we've actually lost rhythms. We need to figure out ways to rebuild them, to bring some order and peace into our lives. All right, number three, the third thing we see God do in Genesis is that he gives us solid ground. God creates the solid ground. Verse nine, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and he gathered the, wa the, the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God loves to give us solid ground. He creates a place for humanity. He calls it land, right? He creates a place for us to live. And, and the very thing that God does there in Genesis, he continues to do today in our lives. The psalmist says it over and over again. I, I love it how it then says in Psalms chapter four, he says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Have you felt during this season that the ground was shifting underneath you? Have you felt that it was like things are changing so much that I don't, I don't even know how to stand, how to be steady. I feel like everywhere that I step, it's going to change one day to the next, a different announcement, some other chaos, some other thing is, is going on. Look at Psalms 26, 12. Now I stand on solid ground and I will publicly praise the Lord. There's something that God gives to us. He gives us a solid place to stand. One more, one more verse, Psalms 18. You have made wide a path for my feet to keep them from slipping. I want to tell you this. You are designed to hold ground and to take ground. God has designed you and me as human beings to be grounded, right? There's a physical ground that he created for us, but there's also 
a spiritual ground that he has established for us, a beachhead that we get to stand on, that even though it seems that the world around us is shifting and earthquakes are happening, whether literally or spiritually, figuratively, however you want to want to talk about it, we as the people of God have been given ground to stand on. We've been given a firm foundation. The psalmist speaks about it. Jesus Christ for us in under the new covenant is our firm foundation. He's our solid rock. We can stand on him and the ground can't shift because he never shifts. And he's given us this, this place to, to put our feet. And we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. We don't have to be afraid of the, what the media is saying. We don't have to be afraid of what's going on around us. The, the way that the wind howls about us. Why? Because my feet are planted on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Salvation comes from him by his grace. It's not a gift. It, it is a gift from God. It's not because we have done something to earn it. It's something that we have been given. And, and all you and I really need is just that solid place to stand. You, you just need that anchor point. So if you have felt like the sands have been shifting or you've lost your solid place, I just want to encourage you and remind you, just put yourself right back on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, right back into and under his shelter, uh, the covering of his wings, the way that he watches over his people, the way that he's going to establish us in the midst of a difficult season. God always is looking out for us, and he's made us the kind of people that are going to be able to stand. We're going to hold ground, but more than that, he wants us to take ground. He wants us to grow and to stretch, and as we reach out as his hands and feet, he's going to give us more and more territory. He's actually created us as the kind of people that are going to expand in our territory. We're going to expand in the ground that we hold. That actually takes us number four. God created you and me to produce, to be productive. Verse 11 says this, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so, see, God has made us and he made the earth uh, fruitful. He said, be fruitful and multiply. He's, he said, there's, there's gonna, I'm going to fill the earth with all kinds of vegetation, all kinds of plants, all kinds of fruits, all kinds of everything that we have today, the rich variety that we have. It reminds me of what Jesus said to his people in John, John 15, verse 5. He says it to you and he says it to me. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, you and I are created to produce. We're created to be fruitful. Even as he created vegetation in the land to produce, he also created man and woman. He created Adam and Eve. He created you and me to be the kind of people that produce good fruit. We produce valuable things. And I want you to know this, that your value doesn't come from what you produce. Your value doesn't come from what you produce, but you produce as a result of who you are connected to. See, Jesus has created you. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. We are connected to him. We are designed to be connected to Jesus. And as we're connected to him, as the branches are plugged into the vine, what happens? His life flows through them, and then they yield good fruit. They yield something of value. So when we're connected to Jesus, then there's a production that happens in us that we can't even 
begin uh, to imagine, it just happens naturally. We don't have to try to do it. We don't try to produce good fruit. We, we are focused on connecting with the vine, connecting with Jesus, and then he then produces fruit out of us. And so I want you to know if you're not feeling fruitful today, then we just have to first ask, who are we connected to? Am I plugged in to the right source? Am I finding my safety and my rescue and finding my life source from Jesus? Or am I finding it in other things? Because the people of God are always going to be productive. They're always going to yield good fruit, right? The scripture talks about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all the fruits of the spirit. See, those are, those are the byproduct. They're the outflow of a person who's connected to Jesus. So when I'm connected to Jesus, I don't have to try to be patient. Now, what I do have to do is try to be connected to Jesus. I have to keep myself plugged into him. I have to keep myself going back to him. And then what's going to come out of me is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. All those things that the Spirit wants to produce naturally through you are a result of our plugging in to him. So in this season and every season, what we have to do is we have to keep going back to who we're plugged into, making sure we're we're finding our source in the Lord. And if we're not liking what we're seeing during this season, if we're not liking what's coming out of us in our relationships, if we're not liking what's coming out of us when we get on social media, if we're not liking what comes out of us when we get around our family, then we have to go back to the source. We have to go back to Jesus. Jesus, I got to plug back into you. Holy Spirit, would you please help me stay connected to you? Let me live your life. I need more of you. Let me get into your presence, right? So we get into that rhythm of worship. We get into that rhythm of connection. We get into that rhythm of being reconnected with the Lord. And then we find that naturally some things begin to flow out of us. We don't have to be as concerned with the fruit if we're concerned with being plugged in to the master. And then number five, let me give you this last one here, is that God designed you and I to rule. He actually says to Adam and Eve in the garden, he gives them a job. Verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. You and I are designed to rule. That, that very word rule means dominion, right? It, it, it has to do with authority. It has to do with having ownership over a particular area. Um, literally to dominate, to direct, to lead, to control, to subdue, to manage, or govern. So when he says that we're, we're created to rule, it means that we have a responsibility to actually lead and direct and govern our lives. Each of us have a sphere of influence. We have a sphere of authority, whether we're 13 years old or whether we're uh, 100 years old, we're going to have a certain sphere of authority uh, that includes ourselves and includes many times our relationships and those areas that we have influence in and control over. My sphere of authority right now is over my family, right? It's my wife and my kids. I have influence and authority in these areas. And God actually tells me, no, you go ahead and you take direction in those areas. You, you lead, you govern, you rule, you bring those things under the authority of the Father. Now, our rulership is always designed to be under the rule of Father God, first of all. And so whatever we rule, we rule because of him. 
And if we're going to rule anything effectively or govern our lives effectively, direct our lives effectively, we must do it through him and in his power. And so we rule ourselves. We rule uh, that which has been given to us. And we constantly put it under his feet and under his subjection. We begin to, to make this actually part of, uh, we see this as what we're called to do as followers of Christ, that, that we're bringing his kingdom to come in the area of our authority. That's actually why I think Jesus told us to pray in this way. He said, you know, pray in this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. So I invite his kingdom into this place in my family, in my life, in those things that I get to influence. And, and I'm, I'm bringing under his authority through my ability to give him authority because I'm over these things. I'm, I'm bringing actually his kingdom to bear here in this place. So Lord, bring your peace, bring your righteousness, bring your goodness, bring your rulership, bring things into order. We're going to not allow some things to happen. We're going to invite you to come in. We're going to say no in this area. We're going to restrict ourselves in these areas. We're going to build in routines. Why? That's all part of the process of us governing, of us ruling. Uh, and, and so let me just kind of end, or at least towards the end here with this question. What, what are you under and what are you over? When it comes to rulership, who are you under or what are you under? Sometimes we are, we're all under the rulership or the governorship of something. We will find that we have subjected ourselves or submitted ourselves to many things in our life, uh, not all of them are good. And we can decide to put ourselves under the authority of Father God, or we can decide to put ourselves under the authority of other things, under the authority of the media, under the authority of, uh, of alcohol, under the authority of, of some substance or some relationship or something that's not good, a, a spirit that is not of him, under the authority of anger, under the authority of fear, under the authority of of anxiety. And, and before you know it, we find that we're not ruled by his kingdom. We are ruled by other things. And so we have to say, okay, well, I got to get out of that. I got to recognize that, that I have, because God has given it to me, the ability to say yes to him and no to other things. I'm going to put myself back under his authority. And as we do that, then we, can fi we find that we get to continue to plug in to his rulership in our lives. We continue to bring back into order that which has been in disorder. So back to our very first question, what rhythms do you have in your life that bring order into disorder? What areas in your life need to be restructured and reframed? What habits need to be broken? What habits need to be started? This season, perfect season. As we, the kids get back into school, as we head back into the fall, actually as a church, we're going to be doing a, an all-church study very soon and need to be a part of that. This is a time to once again bring back into shape, bring back into rhythm some of those things that we have lost during the season. And as, as you do that, what you're going to find is you're going to find his peace and his joy and his fruit is going to be the byproduct of those things. You feel today in disarray. If you feel today out of order, God invites you into his order. And he, he says to you today, you're a person that is designed to bring order into disorder because that's what I have put inside of you. I've given you authority over yourself, given you authority in your family, in your sphere of influence. I want you to exercise it today to grab back what perhaps this moment has stolen, what perhaps the enemy has stolen, what a crisis has created, and to say, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to be swayed. I'm not going to lose territory. I'm going to actually reestablish the boundary lines, reestablish some 
routines and rhythms, rework my life. What do you need to do today to re-engage in that? I wanna encourage you, don't miss this opportunity to push back into the things that God wants to do in you and in your family and in your sphere of authority. Let me pray with you. Father God, I thank you that you have made us image bearers. You have made us people that reflect your image. Lord, we know that you're a creative God who brings order into disorder and you've invited us into that. So I pray today, Lord, for those that are feeling out of order, that, that Lord, today, even right now, they just reach out to you. That, that Lord, they will find strength in you today, that your spirit would speak to them and encourage them today, that they have not gone too far, not fallen too far away from you. But Lord, you are continuing to invite them into relationship. Lord, I pray for every broken area, every formless area, every habit that has been created that's not a healthy habit, that in the name of Jesus, you would take these, these things that are weakness and you would help us to break them and make them into something strong. Plant seeds inside of us, Lord, that would bear good fruit. Help us to be connected continually to the vine. Make us as a people of God, your people, that we would rule under your authority in Jesus' name, I pray. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.